Welcome everybody to Churn Hacking, a customer success podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Nathan. In this series, we're speaking with customer success leaders and inspirational speakers to understand their views on customer success and learn how they rose to prominent leadership roles in their careers. In these interviews, we're going to be discussing how they led customer success organizations, their views on the industry, and sharing some best practices that hopefully you can take away and implement in your roles to help your team run more efficiently and effectively. Welcome to Churn Hacking. Okay, so this episode I'm particularly excited about because, well, we're going down a slightly different road, if you like. So my guest on this show Uh, or my guests on this show up to this point have all been, in the traditional sense, leaders of customer success. So meaning that they've probably built customer success organizations and led teams of customer success managers. So essentially those who have been managing a portfolio of high value clients and contrast. Um, But this week's guest sort of brings a fresh approach. He spent about six years in various roles at Shopify, where he eventually uh, left the company as head of customer success. And he is currently uh, head of customer journey at Wix. Wix are a or are the website building behemoth. Uh, anyone who's seen uh, the America, uh, the Super Bowl has probably seen the amazing uh, advert that they did a few years ago uh, at halftime show. Um, welcome to the show, Derek Pawsey. Hey, Daniel. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure to have you. Thank you so much for uh, for coming today. I'm really excited to talk to you about your uh, experiences um, in customer experience and customer success and learning more about what you're up to currently at Wix. Could you start off, though, by sort of giving us a little intro into, into how you got to where you are today? Uh, sure. How far back do you want me to go? We can go longer. I can keep it to like, you know, a minute. As long as you want. As long as you want. We've got all the time in the world. Okay. I think they all kind of actually relate. So I'm going to go with the slightly longer version. Um, so how I got into customer success, I actually, you know, all through college and university and stuff like that, I worked a, a variety of jobs. I was, I was a waiter. I worked in uh, like a concrete factory. I did security. I had a bunch of things. But the, the one that was most consistent was sales. So retail sales, um, sporting goods, footwear, all that kind of stuff. And right from the get-go, I had really, really good training. So the focus there was always to understand what the customer wanted, help them find what they were looking for, but then also look for kind of the things that they, they actually needed. So a common thing would be somebody comes in looking for the, the most expensive pair of Nike running shoes, but they're actually going to play tennis. Uh, and I would know that, hey, you're actually looking for a cross trainer because you try to play in, in running shoes, you can roll your ankle, you can get hurt. So here's what you asked for, but here's what you actually need. So that kind of kind of passed over into, into other roles. After I finished university, I did the, the backpacking thing. I went to Australia. Um, afterwards, I went through to Asia. But when I was in Australia, I landed a job at a place called Melbourne IT um, in their web central division. So what they did is they sold like website packages and SEO and, and AdWords and things like that. And I found pretty quickly that I needed to go off script. Like it was your kind of standard uh, outsourced, not outsourced, outbound call center job where you call people up, try to hype them on the, the premise of Google AdWords. What I started doing was I started doing these site audits. So if I call you up, I take a couple minutes, we look through your site together. Uh, we take a look at the design, the flow, the layout. We'd end up talking about your marketing strategy. Um, sometimes you'd buy something from us, sometimes you wouldn't. But any anybody who talked to me always basically got a roadmap on how to improve their website. And, and this approach worked really, really well for me. And I was a top salesperson for five of my six months on the visa there. So that all finished. I came back home to Canada and I saw a Reddit post on like a Monday night for this company called Shopify. I'd never heard of them before, but they were looking for e-commerce consultants. And the profile was exactly what I had done at Melbourne IT. So 
applied for that job, um, started there about two and a half weeks later. And it was, it was really, it was more of like a support inbound role. So people just call, they want to connect a domain, add their first product, that kind of stuff. It was fairly repetitive. We had text expanders for all the answers, but when things were, were a little slower, which was very rare, I would go back to doing those, those site audits. So, you know, we'd set up their domain, we'd add a product, but then we'd go through and we'd talk about design and flow and, and, you know, um, you know, the checkout or, uh, organization and different things like that. And the VP of revenue happened to hear me on one of those calls, like the calls, moved me to the sales team. Uh, eventually I became a sales trainer and kind of my big initiative there was, uh, converting all of our guru team, which are the support folks into doing kind of customer success. So doing those sort of site audits, making site, site recommendations and all that kind of stuff. So that was kind of the majority of my career at Shopify. I did for a while, I was over on the plus team. So I did oversee a team of account managers and launch managers who, who took care of like enterprise level, high value clients, those who were selling, you know, multi-million dollars per year and offering sort of an enhanced version of that service, where it's more personalized, more customized, you'd work with partners and experts and things like that. Uh, but the majority of my time was, was scaling that operation of, um, you know, transferring a support center into a customer success center that was really focused on the growth of the client. Um, after that finished, uh, not finished, I got headhunted to go work for a payroll company out in Calgary. So I went to go become their VP of customer success. And then my wife, who's a surgeon, she was offered a full-time staff position at a local hospital out here. I quit my, my job in Calgary. We moved back to the Ottawa area because um, while my job is you know important and I help lots of people, she saves lives every week. So kind of the, the good of the many outweigh the needs of the few. Um, and when I was there, Wix came calling. Uh, we had a brief introduction. They were looking at launching sort of a similar program that I'd led before. And now I help that along with other sort of user experience, customer journey, basically improving the, the offering and the service to all the users of Wix. And that's what I do here. And, and I love it. That's fascinating. That's, that's a brilliant, brilliant run through of, uh, of your history today. I'm keen to talk to you a little bit about, um, you mentioned it literally about a minute ago. Um, you were essentially running what was a support center and you turned it into a customer success center. You did allude to the fact that um, essentially it means you're focusing more on the growth of the customer uh, with mm -hmm. that customer success center. But can you sort of define a little bit more for us the differences that you believe between being sort of, as you say, running a customer support center to running a customer success center? What are those differences there? Yeah, I mean, traditionally, I think a support center is something where, you know, people come to you with a problem, you solve the problem, you want to end the interaction as quick as possible, move on to the next one. There's kind of with, um, you know, with customer contact centers, there's three different areas that you can take it to provide like a positive ROI. So if you're mostly like a transactional, let's just solve it quickly type thing, you want, you're going to focus on effectiveness and cost reduction and things like that. Um, if you have a, like a trial software where you want to convert people, um, you know, you'll do that thing as, as well, but you also focus on doing the sales aspects. So getting the convert into a paying customer. And then if you have a freemium product um, or, you know, a really solid existing user base, what you probably want to focus on is like um, uh, user journey growth and actual, what I would say, customer success. So people who are always using, already using the product, making sure they get the most return on it. So introducing them to new features, um, expanding kind of what they're doing, giving them recommendations, all that kind of stuff. So that's, that's the approach that we're, we're taking there. Um, now, obviously you end up using a bit from all the different three kind of areas, if you can picture it mentally on like a Venn diagram, but that's what we're focused on is sort of the product advocacy, um, user experience and, and improving the, the product knowledge within the users, just letting them know all the things that they have and maybe aren't using. And we think that that leads to, to stickiness, advocacy, uh, which obviously hopefully transitions into revenue. Amazing. And, and 
In terms of, you, you mentioned it's uh, advocacy, user experience, and product knowledge. Um, in terms of, of those, like, how have you, talk to me a little bit about what the, de- the skills that you developed in your previous roles when you were at Melbourne IT um, and when you were at Shopify. What skills and what sort of attributes did you develop there that has led you to, into really the position of head of customer journey at Wix? Um, I think honestly, a big one is, is empathy. So understanding what people are trying to accomplish, where they're coming from, where their pain points are, uh, but really going back to like what they're, they're hoping to achieve. So let's say I'm talking to somebody on the phone and, you know, they're frustrated because they can't set up their, their payment provider, right? Well, that's actually not their, their core issue. Yeah. They're trying to configure PayPal or Wix payments or whatever it's going to be, but what they're trying to do is to, um, accomplish a way to receive revenue for the products or services that they offer so that they can sustain their family, so they can pay their bills, so they can keep the lights on. Um, you know, especially in times of like financial crisis back in the you know early 2000s or now with COVID where people are losing their work. This is super, super important. So understanding where they're coming from uh, and then also really taking sort of the experience from the thousands of other people in the similar situation that you've talked to and understanding where they're trying to go, which is, is often, you know, uh, increasing revenue and things like that. But sometimes it's just um, having a site that they're proud of. A lot of people have a brochure site to show off their work, um, to show to their friends or their family for school, things like that. So um, that's, that's kind of the big one is, is empathy and then creating a roadmap or, or a guide, sometimes helping people go where they may not know they need to go based on the experience of other conversations that you've had. Okay. And I mentioned earlier in the show, uh, which is as we were introducing you, um, you bring a very sort of traditional, uh, or let's say, no, sorry, sort of a, a fresh approach to the discussion that we're having today. Predominantly speaking, customer success managers, if you like, or customer success leaders, leads teams of uh, CSMs, if you like, who are responsible for a portfolio of clients, usually, I don't know, if, again, traditionally speaking, between 40 to 100 clients. Now, obviously... Yeah. At Wix, it's a completely different, as we say in the UK, completely different kettle of fish. Obviously, you're dealing with much larger numbers um, of clients, um, I would assume, then on sort of who are bringing in lower um, uh, lower revenue streams rather. You know, you're, I'm not sure you're going to be having clients who are spending 150, 200 grand a year uh, on yeah. one website. So how do you... How do you manage to do customer success at Wix? How does it work? If you can sort of give us a high level of how things work over there from a customer success point of view, it'd be really interesting to, to, to hear that. Yeah, for sure. So obviously the best way is to have sort of a dedicated person that totally understands all your needs and you've built up a relationship and a connection with over sort of the, the tenure of your time, um, you know, using the service. But that's more for, you know, uh, an ARR of, you know, 50,000, 100,000, something like that, where you can dedicate resources. What we try to do is as much as possible, replicate that experience by using different people every time. So we have a really strong data team. We have really strong developers. We use our own in-house support suite called Wix Answers, which is now for sale and is, and is actually fantastic. And what we do is we try to collect the information from the previous conversations, as well as the activities that they do within the site, and then trying to match that to paths of like similar profiled users. And we try to put that all in, in a little bundle on the side we call the user journey tool. And that informs the agents of what's been talked about, what uh, the, the user has done successfully and what their recommended next steps are. So it kind of puts a, a, a path in front of the agent on what to talk about and why it benefits the customer. So every time when you talk in, regardless if they talk to you or me or somebody else, you know they'll know these are probably the three most important things that are going to help the customer be successful. And I think that really, really... Um, 
you know, provides a, a clear path for the conversation. And then we obviously give everybody training. We have a fantastic uh, training team and um, they've just been wonderful with how we've sort of scaled this whole approach um, into how to use your soft skills and how to use your product knowledge to, you know, to have these conversations, to make these recommendations and to help the customer go forward. And the vast majority of the recommendations that we do are, are free services or, you know, already included services that are available to them. So it's not like an upsell cross-sell initiative, although that does occasionally happen. I would say 80 to 90% of the recommendations are, hey, it looks like you're not using this. If you did this, it would help you accomplish that. And we think that's pretty fantastic. And then when we have those conversations, the, the customer typically feels it's pretty fantastic. And I think it's really, I think what you've said there is, is fascinating. And what's really important to stress, um, I feel, is um, Wix has, I, I think, 180, 190 million users globally. Okay. Yeah. And um, the easiest way, I suppose, to deal with those users is just to throw, you know, allow them to send tickets to a support team and the support team can answer the question, move on to the next one. But what you've stressed there, I think, is, fun, is really fascinating is that essentially all these support guys are in in essence custom success managers in their own right and what you do is you you've said that you give them the tools you give them the visibility on the clients to be able to understand where the client has come from previously the interactions they've had previously you said the user journey tool you mentioned um and also giving them the knowledge and the training to be able to help them essentially lead that customer to success on their own you said oh you've been trying this you've been trying that did you consider doing this did you consider doing that and this is something that traditionally speaking does not usually happen in a customer support team um but, but wix have managed to nail that especially with almost 200 million users globally you've still managed to become so much more than just a customer support team um by by the way of training and you alluded to um your uh, help desk software this is not a plug I am not paid to say this, but uh, you mentioned it yourself, wixanswers.com. We also use it at Powtoon, wixanswers.com. We've been using it for about three years. It is phenomenal. It is absolutely phenomenal. I'm not paid to say it at all or anything like that, but it is. And it has completely changed the way that we also service our clients uh, in our support team as well. So if anyone is listening, it really is. check it so, out. So, I mean, my first day at Wix, you know, I said, hey, well, what do we use here? You know, are we using Zendesk, are we using Salesforce? And I said, oh, well, we have our own. And honestly, I, I this sense of dread washed over me because I've been in this boat before. I've okay, let's see what you've got. And it's it's phenomenal. It's like really clean. It's built exactly for the purpose. And I think because it's been built based off the needs of a, a team that handles hundreds of thousands of interactions across multiple channels per year, like we're the best beta beta tester for any you know SMB or, or enterprise level support um, offering to have. So we've just, I think over the last you know five years that they've been rolling this out, um, we've just like broken it and beaten it and bent it so many times that they got it finally to a level where it is honestly really, really good. And that's why they sort of spun it off into their own sub company and started selling it uh, last year. Yeah, it is phenomenal. As I say, it's changed the way that we do customer support over at Pal2. Um, and I, I would like to talk to you a little bit about um, about your customer base. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. g- given that you have so many users, um, do you have to segment them in some way in terms of the way that you give support? For example, do you, I, I understand kind of how the uh, support system works at Wix. Uh, certain users have access to support. Certain users have access to different channels to access support. But how does that segmentation work uh, over at Wix? If you can elaborate a little bit further on that. So everybody has access to, you know, the primary channels. Um, 
everybody, no exclusions there. Um, there's no limit to, you don't have to buy a program to, or you don't have to buy a plan to contact us in any way. Um, but we do have to be selective with like how we offer it, where we offer it. Um, otherwise, obviously with 180 million registered users, the volume would just be, you know, unrealistic. It wouldn't be something we can deal with it. So uh, we do have a couple different tiers. We do have a, a, a VIP tier and that's for customers who have decided to pay a little extra. They get sort of more senior agents and, and a faster response time. Um, and we do, you know, tackle those as sort of a priority. But other than that, everybody else is, is set up on the same sort of level. How we manage to do that effectively at scale is we actually, again, using smart product development, uh, we have a really smart like chatbot technology and a really robust um, knowledge base. So when you go through to contact us, the first approach is to get you to, to self-resolve. Um, so, you know, your first step will be to search for the document. We'll try to promote that to you. Eventually you'll get to a contact page and that will route through like a chatbot IVR. And that helps us narrow down what product you're coming from first, because so Wix has probably 15 to 20 different sub products that we support. We have a booking system. We have the site editor we're most famous for. You know, we have e-commerce, we have Facebook ads, we have all sorts of different things from there. And it, it's not reasonable to train every agent on every single feature. I mean, we try to go generalist and bucket stuff as much as we can, but it is segmented. So, so you'll go through that sort of um, that IVR to identify where to send you. And then along the way, we'll obviously use some natural language processing to, to sort of scrape the text that you input to us and recommend an article. But if, if you, if it's not one of, let's say the three articles we recommend you, you just click a button and you either register for a callback or you can submit a post or now for some users, you can, you can do a live chat, which is something that we're, we're scaling out. So we are focused on self-help, but it's a very quick exit after that. We, we give self-help a shot. We try to give you the answers to teach yourself and, and just to resolve that. But if it's not, like if we don't guess correctly, then we just put you right in contact with the person. I cannot... I cannot not mention this. Um, you alluded to it earlier about the, uh, the choosing of the articles. Um, Wix Answers gives you a choice of three articles to choose from, which, based on its algorithms and I believe um, uh, content in the in the in the in the sender's message, it suggests the article based, you know, most suited to answer the question. However. Yep. What, where that's really, and I'll just talk a little bit about Powtoon, where that's really helped us is every single ticket that comes into Powtoon is, is tagged with an article, whether that's a public article, whether it's an internal article. And these yeah. articles, basically, what Wix Answers has allowed us to do is every single ticket is tagged. Is tagged. And um, what that's allowed us to do, essentially, is know exactly what our customers are asking about at, in, at granular level. So if our, for example, if our uh, chief revenue officer, chief, uh, CEO, came to me and said, Dan, uh, I can see you've had 10,000 tickets in August. What are they asking? I can actually break it down by, you know, into article by article, which has really, really helped us to, as I say, really get a good understanding of what our customers' needs are, what they're asking. Um, without me having to generalize, I can literally print off a report, see the top number. But it's sensational. I'm, I'm talking more about Wix answers, but please, please, please check it out. Uh, you know, I've used everything. I've used Freshdesk, I've used Zendesk, I've used User Voice, uh, Intercom. Wix Answers is the only one that really ticks all the boxes for us. Um, I'd like to move on uh, and talk a little oh, wait, bit. Sorry, be oh. before you go on, because I think this is actually sort of important. So we use the same feature, right? We obviously do the same thing. So we attach articles to every single one. And we have a really fantastic group within support called the, the product support teams. So like I alluded to, we have 15 or 20 different sub companies uh, kind of throughout. And so we have people in every month, they put together these reports, it gets sent to the different products. And it's like, here's the trends, here's the functions of the features that are a either um, the most commonly requested, whether it's like, okay, this is the bug, or this is this is the feature request. And this way, we can kind of help them inform their roadmap. 
uh, and go through there. And then also what we do is we do these like monthly videos where you send out sort of the top, the top calls and the top, uh, you know, the features and requests again. So it really helps us get visibility on the things that are important um, to our users and to share just kind of a better story. And then Wix also does these fantastic quarterly, um, you know, sort of all hands sessions and supports a part of every single one of those. So we really get to speak on behalf of the customer and, and using answers and using the articles and using the information we collect, we can make, you know, really data informed suggestions uh, that, that help, you know, improve the product. And I'm a big believer that, that success comes from product down. Uh, and then you use, you know, you use people and processes and tools and stuff like that to, you know, improve the efficacy and, and the, um, you know, the user response to those things. But it helps us make really informed decisions that we can share back to the product teams without them having to put too much um, time and effort so they can focus on developing and building and improving and things like that. So, so we do the exact same thing as you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the data, uh, the insights that you do get from Wix Answers, as you say, really enable you to to make that informed decision. Um, I would like to move on. I want to talk a little bit about your specific role as head of customer journey. Um, can you sort of really sort of expand a bit on on a day to day level what it is you're involved in over there? Yeah, it's it's kind of everything to do with the user experience, the user journey. So, um, you know, after they've joined, after they've joined to the product every interaction they have with us from then, especially the ones pertaining to, you know, talking to people. So I, I work with a tremendous management team uh, and we have different leaders and all the different functions and, and I help inform their decisions on who should speak to who at what time about what using what channel. And here's the, the key things that we should talk about. Here are the points, here are the things they should know, here are the things we should know. It's basically like informing channel strategy. And, and I get to put myself in the user um, perspective and, and help, build out a contact center that is one that I would like to use. Um, so I really kind of work through all the other people um, and collect as much information as I can, share some industry expertise that I've learned elsewhere and from being a part of, you know, you know other user groups and things like that. Um, but yeah, I'm almost like an internal consultant that gets to work on all the fun new products um, while helping avoid some pitfalls that I've seen made along the way so we can save time and, you know, get to success a little earlier. Can you maybe share some uh, insights on any uh, any innovation projects that you're working on at the moment? Anything uh, anything really cool and exciting that's going to bring some value to Wix's uh, user base in the in the coming uh, months? Yeah, for sure. I mean, so one of them is is going to sound pretty simple, but it's launching the chat channel. So so Wix does not have a live chat channel at the moment. Um, what I think would typically happen, a lot of companies would go, okay, cool, well, we have this widget available from Wix Answers. Let's throw it on the website, and we're going to assume that some of the people who send in posts or emails are going to use this. Um, I know from experience, that's not how it's going to go. Everybody's going to click on that button as a first yeah. outlet instead of going to the help center. And that, that fear of 180 million people contacting the support center is going to happen. So what we've done is we've, we've worked on transitioning that sort of chatbot technology into that and using that sort of IVR and the, the natural language processing and collecting a little bit more user information so that we can scale it out and make sure you get to the right agent at the right time while still maintaining the focus on self-help. Um, other than that, you know, we're looking at, at um, which metrics to track, which people to type, some follow the sign initiatives so we can make sure that we have people in the right locations at the right times providing the right level of service. Um, and then other than that, I get to work with some really cool teams like we have a data science team that goes and continuously looking to improve the recommendations that we give. Um, so, you know, we kind of measure which suggestions we give and then the output output onto the result of the users who use them. And then that will allow us to adjust using that user, uh, user journey tool that I was talking about before, which recommendations we can give. So we kind of have this positive feedback loop of, of making our service better with every single interaction. So 
you know, that transition to focusing on the user journey and then the spinning off or the launching of a live chat in a sustainable way that's going to improve SLAs and improve user experience. Those are kind of the top two at the moment, but you know, we kind of have some other stuff that's a little earlier stage that I, I can't talk about, but maybe on, on part two, uh, you know, in six <laughs> months or now, something like that. Excellent. I, I love that. Yeah. I, I, I love the fact that it's not just, you know, you could develop your own chat box, stick it on there and then away you go. But the fact that obviously that's certainly not going to be fit for purpose for, for Wix and, and, and your huge client base. Uh, and you've also acknowledged it probably won't work for clients either, which is why then you've developed it further. And you said you alluded to it there, you know, the, the kind of like a chat IVR um, to allow people to get the, you know, the right people to, to get the right information and, and get through to the right channel. And I think that's, I think that's really cool. Um, exactly. Cause just to touch on that a little bit more. So there's different expectations on the different channel, right? If you send an email, you're probably okay with not getting a response for eight hours. It's sort of a slower, mm-hmm. slower contact method. If you call in and you want to talk to somebody, if you're waiting on hold, you probably want to be picked up in a couple minutes. If you have the option to do a callback, you can wait a little longer. You can wait 10 or 20 minutes, go about your day. Your phone will ring. You can kind of resume the conversation. If you want to have a live chat, you need somebody to be in contact with you and focused on your issue in seconds. You need kind of that immediate response. If you do something like add a live chat and somebody has to wait for six or seven minutes before someone comes back to you, it's actually a detractor on the, the customer sentiment and their customer experience. So, you know, when you roll things out, you do have to be, um, you know, you have to be smart about it. You have to think about the situations that are going to happen. And fortunately, you know, we have a great team, great developers, great data team. Uh, and, and, you know, we're going to roll it out in a smart way that, that helps improve us and, and helps improve the customer experience. Love it. Absolutely fantastic. And I want to talk a little bit about the actual structure in terms of numbers that we're dealing with in the, in the Wix customer support team. How big mm-hmm. is the support team? So it's between 1,000 and 2,000. Um, we have, I think, 500 people in training right now across the U.S. and, uh, and Europe. So we've recently opened a new site in Tel Aviv, a new site in Denver, a new site in Austin, Texas. And, you know, we've been able to benefit um, from, you know, some COVID closures and stuff from being able to, to quickly acquire a lot of really fantastic agents from, from other companies and things like that. Um, also, COVID has been a boom for, for our business, just to be honest. So if people can't go to work, if people are going to be home, they turn to e-commerce, they turn to, to web design, they turn to work from home businesses and stuff like that. And I mean, those are things that we've offered. So, so we've, we've doubled our, um, we've doubled our team size in the last six months or so, and we're going to continue to grow it, uh, but that's to match kind of a doubling of our, of our, you know, increased monthly user base. Uh, so, so times are good. Um, but things are growing very, very quickly. That's incredible. It's great to hear as yeah. well. I, I've got to tell you, I was not expecting those numbers when you said a thousand to two thousand. About four years, uh, three years ago, I visited the site in uh, in Tel Aviv in the port there, uh, and I think at that time you were between four to five hundred, uh, which even then was a, you know a huge, huge uh, number of uh, customer support agents. But globally, you're about you were then about four to five hundred. You just told me you're th- one to two thousand, which is which oh, is, that's sorry, that's just in support. Uh, yeah. We're over we're over four thousand for the company now for total employees. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's incredible. And, and you also have um, a phenomenal, um, the, one of the great things about uh, Wix, uh, and also Wix answers the product as well, is that you have such a phenomenal language capability as well, mm-hmm. uh, to be able to uh, recreate articles uh, in uh, multiple languages. And you also have like dedicated teams of, of uh, technical writers, article writers for that as well. Yes, 100%. 
Yeah, it's amazing. Like the, the, the setup is, is mind-boggling. Um, I mean, that's been one of the benefits, I think, of, of you know launching as a European company. So, you know, coming from Canada here, a lot of people are bilingual. You have the English and the French. But if you're trying to find people who speak German or Russian or Hebrew or Portuguese, you know, it can be a little tough. You know, you're European. You know, everybody speaks multiple languages there. So that, that spans out. And then from different locations in America, you have a good sample size of different people who speak different languages. So we've been able to scale the, the global programs, as we call them, super, super well. And we also have sites in Japan and, uh, you know, other, other locations that, you know, cater to the whole world. So we really are, we really are a global company. Uh, and it's just been fun to be a part of. It's phenomenal. Tell me about something about, uh, I want to talk a little bit about customer experience now. Um We've spoken before about the skills and the attributes that you managed to bring, you know, from your previous roles. You mentioned empathy being one of the most important uh, attributes uh, to possess. But from the customer experience point of view, when you're looking into optimizing the customer journey, what are the main things that you're considering? What are the main uh, elements of customer experience and customer journey that you're, you're considering into, uh, into account here? Well, so we need to be timely. We need to be accurate. So the first step is always we need to solve your, your issue and we need to solve it quickly. But then after that, it's, you know, we want you to feel like you came away with more than you expected from the conversation. So, you know, our primary, our primary metric here is, is CSAT. That's the one that we, we, well, we measure, you know, probably a dozen things, but that's kind of the core one is the user's perception of how the interaction went. And we think that's a good way of, you know, understanding if they feel like it was worth it to call us. Um, support can actually be, according to the data, like, a, again, a detractor of performance. If you have to contact support, you're probably frustrated. You've probably you know, been stuck at somewhere, maybe you feel a little down on yourself because you can't figure something out and support is like a relief valve to get you through to the next one. We try to solve that issue and then build you up and sort of, you know, hype you up, get that momentum and optimism back. So you feel like you want to engage more with the products. You want to grow your business more. So, you know, instead of coming off the phone and being like, oh, I finally solved that. You're like, whoa, I finished that. And now I'm raring to go. I just had a shot of espresso. I've taken an extra two steps that I didn't think I even had to do. And now I feel like, you know, I'm on the path to success, the path to winning. Um, so that's that's kind of like the primary thing there is just working on, on improving the user's perceived um, success. And, and the success varies from the different group, again, depending on who you're talking about. But you know, that's kind of how we focus on the user journey. Excellent. You touched on yeah. earlier just um, uh, a few moments ago about uh, some of the the, the metrics uh, that you guys uh, sort of are trying to adhere to there and trying to achieve in customer support. Uh, CSAT being one of them, can you sort of at a high level give us a, an overview of the other uh, KPIs um, that are set your way? For sure. So the other core one that we use is called the user journey score. And that's something we've just rolled out over the last recent months. And that's sort of the background metric we use to you know, predict success for people. So, you know, if you do action item A, we might think that that has like a 1% chance or a 1% improvement in the likelihood that you're going to be a successful user depending on your vertical. But if you do, you know, action item C, that's a 17% boost. So that's going to put you more to that sort of profile there. So what we do is we measure after, after every interaction and over the following seven to 30 days, we try different times to to still test stuff out. Um, look for which levers are the biggest impact so that we can sort of guide those conversations. On top of that, we do look at, you know, standard FCR. We want to make sure we're efficient, that we're solving solving issues correctly. We look at escalation rates to make sure that issues are being routed to agents in the right groups. Um, you know, we do NPS for the overall sentiment and the overall perception of Wix. Um, we look at wait times and callback times and total time to close uh, on top of, yeah, I mean, there's, there's endless ones, but those are kind of the core ones that we, we look after with the primary drivers right now being the CSAT and that user journey score. 
That's phenomenal. So, um, and you, you support guys. Then you're talking about time to close. You're talking about time to close the ticket or time to close the sale if it's a if it's a free user. No, so we we never measure the time to time to close the sale. So their job is not at all to sell. We do measure what happens afterwards, but it's not something that they are, um, you know, that they are personally measured on. It's we feel like if we make the right decisions on guiding their approach, these things are going to happen. Um, so, you know, do the right things and good results will come. So they're primarily focused on just the CSAT and user journey. So we want them to sort of push that, that journey a little further. For time to resolve, we look at like the time of the entire interaction or the, the entire ticket is sort of the verbiage that we use here. So from the first point of contact to when it was escalated to when we needed a user reply to get more information to the time that it was decided by the user, either by saying that's great, it's solved or by not replying anymore, that the issue was dealt with, it is solved, they're satisfied. That's phenomenal. And um, just as we before we finish it, I have a final question for you. Um, a lot of the people who are who do listen in uh, to this podcast are often uh, you know, trying to build their way up in in the in the world of customer success, customer experience. Um, it's many generic uh, words to describe the field that we're in, um, and they're trying to sort of make a name for themselves and, and get ahead, uh, if you like, of the competition. If you could give anyone who's trying to sort of make their mark in the world of customer success whether we're looking at it, as I mentioned before, the traditional sense, or even those who are just trying to make their mark in, in the world of customer experience, what, what one piece of advice would you want to give to somebody? It's a good question. Um, take on the new challenges. So if you can be one of the first to try and do something, honestly, even if it doesn't work out well, you'll probably have it fixed and doing it well before anyone else has tried. And that will give you just such an advantage on there. Um, for the things that have already been done, there's kind of endless stories and anecdotes and articles and YouTube videos and, and webinars and et cetera, et cetera, to find out, you know, how to do something that's already been gone. But if you have, if you have kind of an idea for something to launch an initiative at your company, that is just such a good way to, to set yourself apart. Uh, you know, you look up to kind of like the VP level or the C level or the director level or whoever's kind of that person above you, they probably also want to do all these, all these cool things, but we know at tech companies, People are so strapped for time. Everybody's working on all these, these extra projects. If you can find the time to sort of, you know, take on another initiative to launch it, to get it going well, that's just going to set you apart from the tech world. And, you know, in, in tech in general, there's, it's kind of like those who do the extra, those who, who push the limits are going to grow really, really fast. You know, there's that, that um, kind of slogan of like 10xing. You know, if you if you work fast in tech, your career can amplify 10 years versus, say, like a, you know, a government company or something like that. That applies to people who take chances, take risks, and and take on new initiatives. So, you know, give it a shot. Um, there's endless amounts of people to help you as well. I mean, it's such a good community, customer success and customer care in general. You think that everyone involved here built their careers on helping people. So, you know, look on LinkedIn, reach out to people directly. I've never had anyone turn me down uh, when asking for help. And I've also never turned anyone down when they ask for help. So, you know, use the network, reach out to people. Everybody wants to help everyone succeed and um, take chances. Okay, so that is the end of this week's episode. Uh, I want to say a huge thank you to Derek Pawsey, Head of Customer Journey at Wix.com. Uh, Derek, you're, the insights you've given me and you've given us are, f- are fantastic. As I say, it was so great to hear like a, a from a different approach, a different strategy, a different way of doing customer success. And what's, I just want to finish on, on one quick point saying that we've spoken a lot about customer support, but it's clear from the conversations that we've had uh, today and, and even you know talking offline that, that Wix consider customer support like everyone else would consider customer success. You really sort of go the extra mile. You really um, equip 
your uh, your customer support representatives, your agents, with the relevant tools, the relevant training, the relevant know-how, uh, and the relevant skills to be able to really, truly bring customer success into your customer support world. So my thanks to you, uh, Derek. It's 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 been a pleasure listening to you today. Thank you for having me. Uh, and I look forward to listening to your other episodes. It's a great podcast and I've really enjoyed listening. Okay, so that's it for this week's episode. Thank you for listening. Uh, If you haven't already, please remember to subscribe to this podcast so you receive all upcoming episodes to wherever you get your podcast from. Thank you for listening to Churn Hacking, a customer success podcast. Until next time, take care.